Hi, it's Yev, and this is Kasia Podcast. Yes, and it's Vlada. <laughs> Vlada, can you tell us what our podcast is about? Of course I can, right away. So our podcast is pretty much conversations on Eastern Europe and more. Global histories of resistance and resilience together with our experiences as Ukrainians, of course. This is the hardest part of recording a podcast, making an introduction. I so, think yeah. we did good quite this time. Today, we are talking about reclaiming language, right? And our yes. personal experiences of reclaiming uh, the Ukrainian language. Mm-hmm. Because and, we have quite some. Yeah. And obviously, we will have to start with a real, like a crash course of Ukrainian history and the history of Ukrainian language. So I want to start by talking, by going back, back, back in the day uh, when the oppression of Ukrainian language has started, right? Yes, let's and, uh, For this, we will have to start talking about old Ukrainian language, so not even the modern Ukrainian language. Um, can you tell us this fascinating story about Russian, right, a Moscovite, uh, how would we call it, a duke? Yeah. A what? A duke. uh, Uh, So you wanted to say the first ever uh, written in Wikipedia, let's say, uh, example of suppression of Ukrainian language and Mm -hmm. like old Ukrainian language, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a funny story because of the reasoning behind it. Um, and um, uh, the year is 1627, and there is a decree, what we know as Ukaz. So there is a decree by uh, Tsar uh, Michael. I suppose it was this Michael Mikhail uh, Romanov, or Romanov, keep confusing. And uh, there was a petition... Um, oh, sorry, on a petition, based on a petition of a Moscow patriarch, Filaret, to burn uh, in the Tsardom of Moscovy all copies of the didactic gospels of Kirillo Stavrovetsky. One of the didactic gospels of Kirillo Stavrovetsky uh, was um, um, uh, very popular at the time, meaning that it was printed a lot. So they wanted to burn all the copies of it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the reason for that was pretty much jealousy. Mm-hmm. So during the, those times, the uh, language that they used to um, uh, conduct uh, mass in churches was um, Old Church Slavonic, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. But when you, as a priest, when you are... Um, talking to the people after it, you need to uh, give an educational speech. Of course, you would use the language that they understand uh, rather than the language that they uh, understand in the context of uh, uh, religious uh, writing, Bible, and so on. So, um, And in order to not uh, come up with your own speeches, if there is a book that somebody wrote that you can use instead, you would do it. And even if it is written in an old Ukrainian and you are in Moscow, 
being lazy as you could be, you could still use such a book. And uh, uh, basically, Filaret didn't like that. He didn't like that uh, this book became so popular among Mosco uh, Moscovian priests that he wanted it to be burnt. So the ambition of Kirill Stavrovetsky, who printed his beautiful book all over the country and more, um, became the problem for uh, Tsar Michael as a result. So basically they were jealous of how popular Ukrainian writings, right, right Ukrainian book was uh, getting and they just decided to burn it. Yes. And it's uh, funny how, uh, how like in Russia, pro Russian propaganda tries to convince us that like Ukrainian is a fake language. Mm -hmm. right? like it's a language that was uh, that didn't exist before. What like, Lenin made it? Who made it? Yeah, yeah, whatever. That it's language that has no history. Is that it's a language that uh, was never, you know, like used in uh, some old writings and etc. etc. But obviously, mm -hmm. when you try when you burn those writings, right, you kind of can make such point. Yeah. But, like how much can you ban an unexistent language? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. If if this language is so non-existent, if it's a fake language, if it's a dialect, mm -hmm. right? Why is there is an old version of this language, right? That is like uh, centuries old. Um, and same with like uh, dictionaries, right? When there were already dictionaries in Ukrainian language from as uh, you mentioned, from old Church Slavonic to yeah. old Ukrainian, like a common language. They also called it simple language because it's the language that people spoke, right? When there were already such dictionaries, there was no writings in Moscow, right? But yeah, it's like funny when you really check like historical, um, historical information about the language mm -hmm. and linguistic information like linguistic um, facts about the Ukrainian language and then you check like Russian propaganda like which language is more was more influential which language was older which which uh, language was first published right in books etc etc then you constantly see that it was Ukrainian right Ukrainian language was uh, more popular in um, Kievan Rus, right? In um, administrative, um, in let's say informal usage, right? Yes. Ukrainian Ukrainian language, all Ukrainian language was printed, right? While we don't have the same um, historical, um, help me find the word, not information, historical artifact. Like foundation, okay, okay artifacts of Russian language, right? Yes, yes. But uh, modern Russian propaganda keeps telling us that the like, Ukrainian language was never that important. It was, it always was just a dialect of Russian language. It always was just, you know, like, and then they rebranded it, right? Called it little Russian language, right? So it was always just a small dialect of people from villages who spoke it, right? never gained any importance. And it comes to this idea of like Ukrainian language is uh, kind of not uncivilized, but at least it's, it doesn't rural have like first, yeah, yeah. Rural. Mm -hmm. it's a, It's a language of countryside. It's not a language of 
you know, state or it's not the language of like academy, which is again, if we're going to go and check the facts, right? Uh, academies that taught Ukrainian, old Ukrainian language existed way before the academies that existed that taught in Russian, right? Um, yeah, and but like this whole idea, Ukrainian being countryside language, it's still here right? It's still uh, persistent. So yeah, since this precedent of jealousy, it has been so deeply rooted that it has been working for trying to uh, create, let's say, a bad rap for Ukrainian language. And uh, it's actually fascinating that it hasn't worked to the fullest extent, that we are still fighting this fight to this day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, today we're going to talk about one screenplay uh, that is 100 years old, almost. Yep, almost. And the most uh, ridiculous and tragic thing about the screenplay is that when you're Ukrainian and you read the screenplay that is 100 years old, you kind of read something that was written like yesterday, right? On Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah, you yes. like read Ukrainian Twitter. Modern, modern. Um, can you tell us more about the screenplay? So, yeah, this screenplay is uh, uh, well known for many Ukrainians. Maybe you hear it for the first time. It is called Mina Mazailo because this is the name of the main character of this play. And it was written in 1929. So, yes, almost 100 years year old one by Mykola Kulish, uh, a Ukrainian uh, playwright. And um, uh, it tells a story about, well, uh, this clerk from uh, Kharkiv, Mina Mazailo, who longs to russify and specifically russify his surname and, of course, russify himself in general in order to rise up uh, the party ladder, the, his career. And uh, the uh, story, it happens during the times that we can call uh, Ukraini Ukrainianization, but I wouldn't call it that. Uh, uh, the other term for it is coronization or coronization. And uh, you, um, you did mention once, I think, this word that you could use instead indigenization maybe yes i suppose to explain mm -hmm. the word colonization it's best to call it indigenization when uh, in soviet union there was an attempt to bring the um, uh, countries that were the part of the union to their roots comes from the word korin which means root in ukrainian and um, uh, while it was happening at the same time, the, nobody canceled the importance of uh, the Russian language and the Russian surnames because the propaganda of uh, Ukrainian language, surname, anything pretty much connected to Ukrainian um, being somehow inferior, it was still in place. Uh, while the coronization was at its full force, so nothing was uh, forbidden, though uh, the stigma was still in place, right? And um, um, so his name is Mazailo. If you hear this surname, uh, then you can understand that this surname is pretty Ukrainian. 
And uh, actually, one of the um, versions that uh, this person, Mina, decided on was Mazenin. And I want to ask you, why do you think Mazenin was one of the versions of his surname that he would want to use to change? His official one. No idea. I mean, because it sounds Russian. It does sound Russian, and particularly as the name Yesenin. Okay. So I suppose you might know that name. It's a Russian poet. And uh, Mazenin sounds like Yesenin. And um, so in this play, uh, Mina uh, has two children, a son, uh, Moki, and uh, a daughter. And... uh, um the interesting part of it is that Moki is portrayed as a person that is pretty much pro uh Ukrainization or Ukrainianization. So he um let's say his character is similar to very um patriotic Ukrainian who likes Ukrainian ang- language to the most, like as much as possible. And um uh he wants his father to change his name too, but into a more Ukrainian name, as in Mazai Lokwach, mm-hmm. for example. So they all think of change, but in a different direction, while Mina wants it to, to be more Soviet, uh, Moki wants it to be more Ukrainian. And there is also a character called Aunt Motya, or Tsotya Motya, and uh, I think you told me once that this character is not something new to you personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that this character does is that she says, God, in my opinion, it's better to be raped than to be Ukrainianized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this, uh, I remember reading this book in school mm-hmm. a l- long time ago. And Tietamotia is just... I have Russian relatives, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> Let, and like, we need I to have, confess something here. Yeah, I do have Tete Motya, right? And uh, like literally, Motya. this is the name of your relative. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this book, in some moment, I remember she comes to Ukraine and she comes to Kharkiv, right? Ukrainian city, mm-hmm. and she sees Kharkiv being written in Ukrainian, Kharkiv right, in the train station, and she's like, furious about it. She's like, why Kharkiv is written in Ukrainian? Like, Kharkov uh, is Russian city. It has to be written as Kharkov, right, not Kharkiv. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my Russian relatives before 2014, before, you know, even uh, annexation of Crimea, before all of this, they would come to Ukraine a lot. Right, because the weather is nice, and like they would go to the sea, etc., etc. Yes, they can leave Russia for a bit. Yeah, in summer, uh, because they are like from Taiga, and you know, like minus fifteen winter, so they would come to Ukraine for summer, right? Because they have relatives here, mm-hmm. and they would like walk around the streets of Ukraine, right? And we have things written we were in Dnipro, right? Not everything is written in Ukrainian, first of all. Like yeah. Dnipro has a huge uh like majority of people here speak Russian, which we're gonna talk a bit later about. Uh but still a lot of still signs are written in Ukrainian and Ukrainian is state language, so all the like formal things like street signs and other things are written in Ukrainian, obviously. 
and like their reactions to the language, you know, and their like kind of the comments they would give about the language, right? Like, oh my god, how oh, to I... read this, and like why, why, why it looks so funny, and like it sounds funny, it looks funny, like you know, this word is weird, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like gives the same vibe, like reading this book. Reading Tietja Moetia, obviously they are not as again were not against so like before before 2014 they were not as you know like scared by Ukrainian language as Tietja Moetia, but Tietja Moetia is obviously like Aunt Moetia is obviously based on a real person on a real person from Russia who is just hates everything Ukrainian right and Ukrainian language for them is the worst thing possible because it's a you know, they want to be seen as important, they want to be seen as civilized, quote-unquote, and Ukrainian language is the opposite of all of those things, right? Yes, yes, and it's an interesting moment there that, uh, you know, coming back to this um, correlation between ru- uh, rural areas and Ukrainian, and um, um, the way that this person, Tetya Matya, from Kursk, I suppose, perceives um, rural uh, areas, perceives the countryside and perceives the Ukrainian language, the Ukrainianization, it's the same. So basically the idea of uh, Ukrainian equals uh, countryside language equals ill, equals something inferior, it just shows two parts of the um, uh, personality traits. We despise uh, the countryside and we despise something Ukrainian. So we are going to make these two uh, in a sort of associative bundle in order to express the opinion of both quite brightly with a quite uh, nice metaphor, let's say. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that she says also is uh, when people are talking about Ukrainians and Ukrainian identity, and that's true that uh, people in the countryside would speak Ukrainian more likely, like you would likely find such people uh, who speak Ukrainian. And um, when uh, they mention uh, such people from the countryside, which she refers to as peasants, she says, and are peasants Ukrainians? Peasants are Peasants. She doesn't call them peasants, meaning she calls them mujiki, which means pretty much rude peasants who um, don't have the privilege or possibility to have an identity as a Ukrainian due to the fact that they are from the village. So in her eyes, people from the village wouldn't be able to even call themselves Ukrainian because they wouldn't be able to have such an idea as an identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, I would say that in Ukraine... Um, Living in a country and owning land meant something to people. Generally, owning land is something that is quite important to Ukrainians. So the importance of the countryside cannot be overstated mm-hmm. in many cases. And, mm-hmm. and the reason why you, you people in countryside spoke Ukrainian more is that mm-hmm. because it was harder to Russify countryside, right? Right to to make Russification yeah. to to force people in countryside to speak uh, Russian because in countryside people self-organized and they had small schools and you know a lot of teachers were not from other places you couldn't just ship a teacher from Russia 
to a countryside, right, to teach uh, yeah. kids, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But okay, let's maybe finish about the uh, play. Yeah, what just else? one last mm-hmm. moment about the play. Uh, well, speaking of the countryside, it's hard to russify to have any idea to russify yourself if you don't have a career career ladder to pursue in the countryside. So something that is happening to Mina would not necessarily be happening to a person who lived not in the city. So that is not happening as much. And the second thing is that um, Uncle Taras, it's another character in the play. He is um, a person who loves Ukraine, but is against uh, Ukrainianization and uh, we don't understand why up until this moment and I quote so Uncle Taras says there Ukrainianization is a way to reveal us and destroy us down to the last soul mark my words to which uh, Moki Mazailo's son says this is a provocation who would kill 20 million of mere Ukrainian villagers? Who? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, what does it make also, you think of, these words? <laughs> first, I want to also give some, a little bit again, of historical context, is that, yeah. uh, again, I think we haven't mentioned it properly, is that uh, this colonization mm-hmm. or indigenization was happening, was done by Soviet government. Right by yes. Soviet Union, and as an appeasement, reason, uh, one yes. moment as an appeasement, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why they did it was because they wanted uh, Ukrainians to stop resisting the Soviet occupation because the Soviet uh, government occupied Ukraine and uh, forced uh, Ukrainians into the Soviet Union, quote unquote. Union here is quote unquote. Uh, which is, was just another kind of rebirth of a uh, Russian imperial project, right? Like, um, but to kind of make it less imperial, to look less imperial, they allowed this few years of uh, uh, colonization, right? Indianization. They, they kind of removed all the bans on Ukrainian language that existed already for century. Mm-hmm. in Russian Empire. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of appeasement plan. But it seemed like it wasn't working, right? A lot of Ukrainians still resisted Soviet government, still did not agree with Soviet government. And a lot of those were from countryside because they just didn't understand why they have to be part of this uh, another Russian Empire. Uh and then we come to the part of the history that is, first of all, that we cannot ever skip uh, when we talk about language in Ukraine because it's really important for language, for the Ukrainian language. And also it's one of the most tragic parts of our history is that it is Hodomor, right? It is a genocide that was um, man-made, genocide, right, that was done by Soviet government, by Stalin, against Ukrainian countryside, mostly, right, and Hodomor, the word Hodomor means starvation, right, Uh, death by starvation. Yeah. And and, uh, in the end, right, as a result of Hodomor, 
uh, roughly from 3.5 million or to 7 million people and with some estimates going higher, right? Ukrainians were killed, were starved to death. And those are also mostly Ukrainian speakers, right? Because again, countryside. So when we talk about the language, the Ukrainian language, we cannot ever skip the part of Hodomor because, you know, one of the most popular Google searches is like how similar Ukrainian and Russian and how, why, uh, what language Ukrainians speak, right? And why Ukrainians speak Russian or why Ukrainians in Eastern Ukraine speak Russian. And one of the reasons, not only like centuries, uh, uh, policies uh, of uh, Russification, 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 yes, mm-hmm. and uh, but also Holodomor was mostly done in central and eastern Ukraine in our region, right where we are from, and this is in modern days. This is the most Russian-speaking regions, right? Yes, it may seem that, oh, oh, of course, there are more Russian speakers because of the proximity. Yes, the proximity played a big role in um, being able to cause so much suffering, but it is not the reason why uh, so many speakers are, well, uh, Russian speakers. And uh, if you just look a little bit into history and or just check the amount of times the language was uh, prohibited or amount of times it was suppressed by killing people, you can get a better idea. Mm-hmm. It's basically like century long, centuries long mm-hmm. lingua side, right? They were trying, they never kind of were trying to hide it, right? With all the bans and like in Soviet Union, the language was banned up until 70s, like 1970s, where uh, people couldn't write scientific papers in Ukrainian, right? It's already like they allowed a lot of stuff, right? Because Soviet Union was not as it was before and there were a lot of like fighting uh, against Soviet government. So they, again, were trying to appease people. And they allowed a lot of it, right? Um, they allowed uh, to study Ukrainian in schools, but again, not to everyone and not a lot, right? Ukrainian was in 1970s and 80s, Ukrainian was a language kind of like you could study it as an extra language in Ukraine, right? Um, as an extra class, uh, mostly like oh. after all the other lessons. But only ethnic Ukrainians could do that. If you are non-ethnic Ukrainian person living in Ukraine in the 1970s or 1980s, you cannot study Ukrainian language at school. And that's what happened to my mom. Because my mom was not in Soviet Union. She was not considered to be ethnic Ukrainian. She was considered to be ethnic Russian because her father, my granddad, was ethnic Russian. And even though she was half ethnic Russian and half Ukrainian, she still was not allowed to study Ukrainian language. That was like enough for that. And uh, my mom has a similar story, even though it wasn't based on her ethnicity in a way. Uh, She uh, spent half a year every year when she was a teenager in Russia, in Norilsk. Because this is where people, um, her family, her parents would go to work to get money. They were like rich 
technically, but but no, because nobody is Soviet rich. rich it's Soviet rich, which meant not which meant, completely poor. Which meant, yeah, you could have money, you had nothing to do with it, and then it would be taken away anyway. So yeah, and uh, she was like excused from learning Ukrainian exactly due to that reason because she wouldn't be able to uh, end the course by just having half a year even less I would say each time of learning Ukrainian so just she didn't have to um, go and study this language I think it was actually similar with the English language as well because Mm -hmm. she kept telling me why she doesn't know it she has lots of excuses maybe it's her story with the English one as well but still she says that yeah due to that reason she also didn't learn English that was taught in Ukrainian but wasn't taught in Norilsk so Mm -hmm. she wouldn't be able to finish Mm -hmm. the course as well Mm -hmm. So basically, the state of Ukrainian language was similar to the state of English language. Yes, you could say so, right? Yeah. And what about us? What about our experience? Yeah, and here we come to that. Um, Yeah, um, so what sort of experience about us um, would you say can describe it most for you? I think we will have to start with childhood. Right. Uh, I mean, my family is completely, completely Russified. And I think yours too, oh, yes. right? Like for mm-hmm. generations, no one in my family spoke Ukrainian, even though like majority of people in my family are Ukrainian. Like a lot of people I know, a lot of friends I know have at least like a grandma or grandpa who speaks Ukrainian, right? Yeah, because they are from countryside. Uh, but my family is not from countryside and like, for generations no one yeah. lived in countryside so um everyone spoke russian and still speaks russian majority of my family still speaks russian and for me it was very weird like growing up in ukraine growing up in our city in Dnipro, in central eastern ukraine uh, where like it's again it's completely russified city uh majority of people in the city speak ukrainian and the minute you leave the city right speak minute... russian you want to say the majority oh sorry yeah the majority speak speaks russian, russian mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and the minute you leave the city and go to the countryside people start like as a gradient yeah. right people start speaking ukrainian which which like I, a lot of times we see all these maps on the internet of Ukraine, oh, yeah. like love them. Yeah, like Ukraine, like half and half mm-hmm. Russian and Ukrainian, which are total bullshit because you know, like it's Eastern Ukraine, and yes, there are like Russian-speaking cities. But the minute you leave the city, it's you know, people start speaking Ukrainian in the city, right? So it cannot be half and half. Yes. It's just more like dots on those and. It's intentional. Somebody makes those maps intentional to show, you know, how it's like Eastern Ukraine is Russian speaking. Yeah. And it works with the propaganda and with the narrative, uh, of course, even though actually, if you count the people, uh, the people who speak Ukrainian, they are the majority. It's just you can divide by the uh, speakers in the city and in the country. Uh, But Mm -hmm. uh, often these maps, they don't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's completely intentional to show, as you said, to show the split. You know, like there is a split in Ukraine. Yes, yes, exactly. And, uh, so, like um, growing up, realizing that there is another language because you know my family speaks Russian and uh, seeing Ukrainian on TV for the first time, and we are Gen Z basically. Like we are 
we are or very late millennials or very early gen is uh yeah very early gen z's right we are yeah, yeah, yeah so in between we are in so between yes. we already lived in time where ukrainian in we were born in independent ukraine where ukrainian was already kind of gaining the momentum right but still russian was everywhere right russian media movies are in russian books are in russian magazines are in russian like it was it was when we were small it was almost impossible to buy uh, some books and movies in ukrainian like you wouldn't find it yeah, the whole idea was that if you read Ukraine in Ukrainian, you are reading Ukrainian books. To me, as a child, it was such a norm that if I'm reading a book and it is a foreign book, uh, it is in Russian because this is what you're going to find. And if you're reading a book, uh, well, in Ukrainian, of course, uh, by Ukrainian-speaking writer, uh, you are going to read it in Ukrainian, but that's the only reason. And as Russian speakers, we basically had a privilege because we didn't understand it, right? We didn't understand that like, there are Ukrainian speakers who don't know Russian, they are not fluent in Russian, and they cannot any they can't find any books in Ukrainian. They literally cannot like read Harry Potter in Ukrainian, which was not yeah. available first years, right? It was translated way after Russian. And it was uh, like first time, I think it was even more expensive or something, right? It was not that available and wasn't that sold everywhere. Right now it is like kind of, you know, it's easy to find the books. Maybe with Harry Potter, maybe it's a bad example. But like, I was just thinking about what books we've read when we were children. No, no, I, I understand. But actually with Harry Potter, uh, you might be wrong in here because mm -hmm. I just had a conversation um, uh, with a woman today and she mentioned that actually uh, in her um, family, they would buy books in Ukrainian of Harry Potter because they could uh, have access to them a bit earlier. And mm -hmm. in her family, they actually spoke Ukrainian uh, at home. They just would speak Russian outside when they are in the streets with family it's possible when they're in the streets uh, so mm -hmm. maybe um, the reason why we were reading Harry Potter in Russian wasn't due to inaccessibility necessarily because it's Harry mm -hmm. Potter it's very accessible with the rest of the books I think you are correct though but mm -hmm. it's because we just never even thought that it was um, like we, we would um, need to buy it in Ukrainian or that mm -hmm. it's a norm to read books mm -hmm. in Ukrainian that are foreign and non-Ukrainian because I had mm -hmm. no problem reading books in Ukrainian that were written by Ukrainian authors but when it came to foreign books it was easier and that's what people in the bookshops would offer you mm -hmm. they would offer you the Russian the books in Russian because that's what people uh, would buy they didn't even consider anything else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe Harry Potter. I'm not sure about Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter was one of the first, like, uh, it was kind of the first wave of, like, oh, wait, we can do foreign books in Ukrainian. Like, that. Yes, yeah. So the that first was, books I got very interested in, yeah. Yeah, in like, I, I remember they were really trying to advertise it as much as possible. Like, oh, you actually can read foreign books in Ukrainian. There are translations. Unfortunately, <laughs> It was basically it. It was Harry Potter and maybe only like for kids, I mean, and maybe like few other. And the uh, Sherlock Holmes, something yeah, like that. It was translated what fifteen years ago. Yeah, and fifteen fifty, <laughs> and um, yeah, and like even right now, the accessibility of Russian books, right? Like uh, to find a book in Russian is way easier than to find a book in Ukrainian, but. 
not about books. Like again, coming back to childhood, my realization is that there is another language that is Ukrainian, like watching TV and cartoons, and like that would be like in our childhood we already would see. Uh, like it's really interesting because I have a sister who's older uh, for seven years. She's seven years older than me. And in her childhood, there was no Ukrainian content whatsoever, like not on TV, not, uh, you know, <coughs> first of all, sorry, first of all, she was born in Soviet Union, uh, kind of, she lived for three years in Soviet Union, uh, so there was nothing in Ukrainian, right? But then, um, like realizing there is Ukrainian language and realizing that I speak Russian and kind of realizing that why, like, it was so confusing for me as a child uh, because I knew I was Ukrainian. But I didn't know why I was speaking Russian. I had no idea. Like, no one ever explained it to me. Yeah, and it was interesting that I never thought about it before. Like, you know, there was some, there is some point when you question yourself about it, but it's like, it's a norm before. And you like think, wow, I've lived my life so long without even thinking about it. Even though it's with me, it lives with me. When did you start to understand? Like, when did you learn why we speak um, Russian? So it's uh, in, uh, it's hard to pinpoint, uh, honestly, because when I was at school, uh, I went to a Ukrainian school, as you did, right? Mm-hmm. And it became a norm that the language of school, the language of the uh, subjects that you're learning, is Ukrainian, and. Uh, at school, of course, you would speak Russian among uh, yourselves, but you sometimes would speak Ukrainian depending on the topic because you would have to communicate in this language, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you would have to like uh, recite the material. Mm-hmm. And I suppose at some moment when I got interested in the Ukrainian literature exactly and I started reading in Ukrainian more, I started being more interested in, uh, oh, I read in Ukrainian now more than I read in Russian. And uh, I started like being interested in like why I don't speak Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. I did answer this question to myself. And the reason was that uh, I speak it way worse. It's mm-hmm. a language that I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. So I had shame connected to speaking Ukrainian because I could read it pretty much, pretty well, but mm-hmm. I couldn't speak it normally as others. Mm-hmm. And others would switch to Russian even if they are more, uh, they are better speakers as Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Talking about, but like, at which moment did you learn about, you know, suppression of Ukrainian language uh, and how it was working in school, right? In history lessons, basically. It's an interesting moment because in history lessons, I can't say that it was very highlighted. It uh, uh, We had very bad history teacher. She didn't show up for any lesson pretty much. She would show up sometimes 10 uh, minutes later. I think during the uh, lessons of Ukrainian literature, I would get some ideas because we would learn the history of how each um, uh, writer was persecuted, uh, how they wouldn't be able to publish their own books. And the sole reason for that would be pretty much the Ukrainian language. Mm -hmm. So that was happening. But, um, uh, you know, at the same time, I didn't get a very good discourse on history lessons. I had to learn it all by myself. So it was mostly in the discourse of the Ukrainian literature. 
And uh, it took me some time uh, when I was a bit older to realize that uh, literature is not a separate part of our lives. The language and the people who are speaking it, it's uh, the same. And, you know, Holodomor was portrayed as in, oh, everybody suffered from Stalin and the Ukrainians too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and with literature, you know, like, as you said, it's not separate, right? And like in mm -hmm. Ukraine, we have two subjects. We have foreign literature and Ukrainian yeah. literature, which is, I don't know, I think it's mostly like this in Europe, but it's not like this in like other countries, other countries like the United States, for example. Um, and learning every biography, personal life of every Ukrainian writer, and yeah. like just this part of like, okay, so that's how they were persecuted for writing in ukrainian and it's like for centuries right like and they were killed and this person was sent to siberia oh this person was um put into prison right mostly like it it gradually changes like the later soviet union comes like in 70s right okay they were put into prison right prison which is yeah, also yeah, like yeah. literal a concentration camp right or they were sent to siberia again concentration camp or they were you know they died oh they, they died from suicide like mm, did they really and like but also uh you talked about you know you went to ukrainian school and you said you had a bad history teacher i actually had a great history teacher i really liked history and i was really like that's where my kind of knowledge about all of this comes from less from literature i would say like i did not pay much attention on literature in the literature classes but my history teacher she was actually a russian like not i'm not russian like russian speaker right uh, or ethnic russian she was from russia uh she taught us ukrainian history in russian language and oh. that, that was that was a thing i have no idea how it works right now but when we were in school it was common thing even though oh, yeah. ukrainian mathematics for me yeah. in russian mm -hmm. yeah like even though in my school we had a, Ukraine, a teacher of ukrainian language who taught ukrainian language in russian Vlada. <laughs> how does that work like have no idea. I think it, I, I got lucky it wasn't my teacher. We had an oh. English teacher who taught English and Russian. Like, uh, you know, so I had actually such teacher who taught English and Russian. Yeah, I think we also did. That with, uh, with English, sometimes they would switch to Russian, I think. They would forget words, I think. Physics, uh, my physics teacher also did that. But my history teacher, so she was from Russia. She was not just Russian speaker, but she really... Like uh, somehow she knew Ukrainian history very well. Like she actually taught us real Ukrainian history. I mean, she did study history in Ukraine already. She moved to Ukraine, but it was like interesting. She she taught it in Russian, mm -hmm. and, and maybe right now she already switched to Ukrainian uh, after recent events. Uh, but yeah, and she did explain us a lot of stuff. She did explain that, you know, Hodomor wasn't just, you know, a Soviet mistake. It wasn't. It was like, it was a, a persecution of Ukrainian people. It was a genocide of Ukrainian people because of their identity, because of their language, because they did not want to be part of Soviet Union. 
interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, not like but... it was pressed. Just wanted to highlight it was not. Uh, it wasn't exactly how it was uh, presented to me at school. It was presented as in, oh, we have such a um, uh, prosperous land. Of course, we grow the most, and of course, uh, in Soviet Union, St- Union Stalin was like, oh, such prosperous land. Let's do this. Have this plan. So just the the reason for that was the prosperity, uh, basically geography prosperity. Nothing connected to identity. Nothing connected to the uh, um, the reasons that I am starting to re- I have started to realize mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in some time. I mean, obviously, those reasons are also true, right? They wanted this land. They they want this land, and right now they want yeah. this land. They don't care about people. They want to just you know kill all the Ukrainians and get this land, and that's it. But it doesn't like you. We need to see it in the context of like centuries, centuries of suppression of the language, of oppression of the people, right? And like uh, forced Russification, right? They they force this language for centuries on us. And if before they forced it like literally by killing people and by shooting writers, and now they cannot do it anymore, but they do it right now. They couldn't do it anymore before the war started, before the invasion, right? When we were children, right? They didn't do it, let's say. Yes, they didn't yes. kill Ukrainian writers. Uh, but they did it differently. They just, you know, all the media in uh, Russian, all the books are in Russian, like all the, you know. But also, growing up, uh, again, this old, old idea Ukrainian is for people from countryside, right? Ukrainian is for people who are uneducated. You know, if you're educated, you speak Russian. If you, you know, if you are from the city, you speak Russian. Did you ever feel like that, like that it was a main idea? Uh, You know, I, hmm, you see, since I was from the, like, on the position I know Russian very well, I don't feel the um, the shame of speaking Ukrainian, meaning that I didn't feel feel the shame choosing Ukrainian over Russian. I felt shame that I didn't know Ukrainian more. Mm-hmm. At first, I didn't notice it, but when I went to college and uh, while in at school, when you go to school, the locals go to school with you. But when mm-hmm. you go to a college, for example, uh, I, I want to admit that I went to a pedagogical college. When you go there, uh, this is a bit of a like it's a uh, education that is higher than just the school education. Mm-hmm. People from many places go there, just as mm-hmm. people go to universities from many places. And especially since the teachers are needed in uh, different rural areas of Ukraine, many people from rural areas would go to get this education. Uh, and uh, this is where I would encounter people from. Um, uh, rural parts of Dnipro and other uh, oblasts too, other regions too, that would switch to um, Russian with us and or would not and speak the way that they speak all the time. And this is where I encountered other people mocking them mm-hmm. for how they speak. And I'm ashamed to admit that I would mock, uh, like not to the face, of course, but I would mm-hmm. find it funny. Uh, of how people would speak because it wasn't Ukrainian, it was a mix. I wouldn't even call it necessarily a surzhik, 
mm-hmm. but I, maybe it could be called one. And mm-hmm. I would find it funny because uh, it wasn't just that the Russian language is better or something. It was that the purity of the language is better. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the history of how the language of a person became impure, actually, uh, you can create, uh, you can make this um, mistake of mocking them for it. Because it wasn't what, the, like, how can you ask a person to speak pure language when they actually them at least keeping some grains of Ukrainian in there was a century-long fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About, it's interesting how you said it, how they, like people from rural areas, yeah. switch mm-hmm. to Russian. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. To, to people from the city it's like code switching right it's like um uh, in in for example in the united states right people speak uh african-american right uh and this when they speak to white people they switch to like kind of like standard american language right and this is something very similar and at the same time like people would treat them Right, people from rural areas, like they are uneducated and they have like bad grammar, and you know they speak Sursik, which is you know this like kind of mix of Ukrainian and Russian, like a kind of a pidgin, but not really a pidgin. It's not really a dialect. It's like literal mix of two languages, right? Yes, yes, a very, a very unique one. You can't recreate it very easily if you wanted to. Yeah, we cannot speak it because we never, you know, we never. Yeah. Cannot... We, we didn't grow up with it, with it, yeah. Yeah, only people who grew up with it, whose parents spoke this. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I would, I consider it dialect, but like every time when people, when I say it's dialect, people kind of attack me. <laughs> say, no, it's not. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, but yeah, if you did not grow up uh, hearing this kind of mix of Ukrainian Russian, you cannot really recreate it. It's kind of, you just kind of, try to mix those, but you don't know how to mix them properly. Yeah, you're using the wrong mixes of words. You don't, you're not using the inflections correctly. And yeah, then then you, you just sound like you literally made up this language. So your language becomes a pigeon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And we shouldn't because that's not our language. We did not exactly. deserve. We were cursed of being born into fully Russian speaking yes. families. So we have to bear our burden instead. Yeah. Um, coming to okay, we talked a little about a little bit about childhood. Uh, coming to the choice of switching from Russian to Ukrainian, uh, could you tell me a little bit about it? Well, um, I suppose we have a somewhat similar story, though it was easy because between ourselves we spoke English since we were quite young. And that's why when I spoke to my friends, uh, of course, and also oh, uh, my experience with speaking to friends would be one friend of mine he was a Ukrainian speaking person. And it was easy to switch to Ukrainian with a person whose uh, language is actually like, who's, where Ukrainian is a more native language for them. Uh, and I would speak Russian to, with my parents, right? and uh, uh, with my other friends. And um, 
it hasn't happened the switch that I like consciously decided to switch rather than, you know, us talking be- amongst our friends. Oh, hey, let's try to speak Ukrainian from time to time to learn it better. You know, I suppose you also had these conversations with people when you were like 20 something uh, saying like, oh, let's try to speak Ukrainian today all day. Oh, let's try to speak Ukrainian for right now a little bit or about this or on this topic. So it wasn't like, uh, like let's switch to Ukrainian, speak always mm-hmm. this language, but let's mm-hmm. sw- switch for some time. And that would work uh, for a bit. But uh, what I did do, I remember, I think it was since 2018 or 19, I don't remember which exactly mm-hmm. year, is that I would switch, and unless I forget, I would switch to Ukrainian when I spoke to people at, in the supermarkets, restaurants, cafes. So when I speak to people I don't know and I don't have the habit of speaking speaking Russian with them, I would speak in Ukrainian, I would switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, though? I mean, again, give a little bit of history lesson. <laughs> like, obviously, pretext is the annexation of Crimea, right? Russia invaded Ukraine for the first time in 2014. And I already was kind of, you know, I've learned, I, that's exactly the year I finished the school, right? Uh, I, I mean, in 2013. Okay. Good time I, to finish. Yeah, school, I graduated yeah. from school. So I already kind of learned a lot of stuff about like why we speak Russian and like what happened to Ukrainian language. And yes, I was curious. I wanted to try. I, you know, like, but I couldn't find anyone pretty much, right? Like, really. Yeah, people, we spoke English. So yeah, people were not yeah. open to the idea of speaking yeah. Ukrainian. Majority of people would say. And, um, but then, the first invasion happens, right? In 2014, Russia annexes Crimea and invades uh, Donbass. And it also, with the pretext, we are coming here to protect Russian speakers. And I'm a Russian speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm a Russian speaker in Ukraine. And I don't want Russia to come and protect me. No, please. <laughs> Go away. Stop. Like, no, like, I don't want to live in Russia. You know, I don't live, first of all, I don't want to live, like, for me, one of the first things the important things was like I don't want to live in homophobic country, like as homophobic country. You know, I don't want yeah, to you be gotta a... pick, right? Yeah. You don't pick that. Yeah. I don't I don't want to live in countries that like literally uh, bans uh, queerness in general. Like you just cannot talk about mm-hmm. being a queer person, right? And gay person in Russia. Uh, so for me, it was honestly, it was one of the main ideas. I was like, no, I don't want to live in Russia. And I don't like, and I'm not Russian. I'm a Russian speaker. But you made me Russian speaking. Like you made my family Russian speaking. Like I'm Ukrainian person. So it was the first moment where I was like, I want to switch to Ukrainian language. I want to start speaking Ukrainian language. Yes, right. yes. The first thoughts were there. Mm-hmm. But we are from a Russian speaking city. Everybody yeah. speaks Russian. It's so hard. So the first thing I did back then is that I stopped consuming Russian content. I kept speaking Russian, but I removed all the Russian content. Like I stopped watching YouTube on Russian. Also, it was easy because most of Russians, oh, like YouTubers and influencers and like famous Russian people, they supported Russia and they supported what Russia was doing. Yeah. The, the, the imperialist invasion, right? Like they like, yes, Crimea is Russia and like, and I'm like looking, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like your country is really like, you know, uh, collecting the lands. Like are we in 19th century? Was the actual fuck? So like, it was easy for me to unfold all the Russians everywhere. I stopped listening to Russian music because even my favorite Russian indie artist was too afraid to speak up. 
against oh, Russian. Who was it? Zinfira, right? Oh, oh yeah, right. She, she was. She asked people on the concert to remove Ukrainian flag, right? Somebody asked her to hold Ukrainian flag as in solidarity with you know Ukraine being mm-hmm. invaded by Russia, and she asked, She did not do that. She even asked to remove the flag from the like from the audience. And I was like, okay, minus another one Russian uh, artist. And it was like literally the only one in the, like it's the only one re- Russian artist I was listening to actually. Anyway, so I just removed all the Russian content. I started consuming everything. Like I already was consuming everything in English, but I started con- everything that I cannot consume in English, I started consuming in Ukrainian. Back then it was pretty hard, right? It was like almost nine years ago. It was not easy to find that much Ukrainian content. And yes, yes, that's true. Because I can add, I I'm trying to remember how it was with me and Russian content, and I just understood that I I did listen to Zimfira maybe, but I didn't have it. You know, you I didn't listen to Russian music as in listening, having it in my playlist, liking songs, never. And I I didn't have to deal with that because I didn't really have it in the first place. Uh, I since my childhood. I thought that songs uh, in the language that you know very well are cringy, and uh, well, they are. <laughs> and yeah, it worked a little bit. But what I did do is I started looking into Ukrainian content more because uh, before that, I didn't have any, well, maybe some. But I didn't really listen to the songs in Ukrainian as in, in the same manner, to like them, to have it in my uh, playlist. I would listen to everything in English and I would ex- ex- consume mm-hmm. content in English, but in Ukrainian, and then no. And then you started to understand Frelix in English songs and they yeah. became cringe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, just never learn languages, kids. Never learn languages, yeah. Like, yeah. like now, now what? You have to listen to music in French and I listen to music in German. Yeah, thanks God because I, thanks God because I never learned this language. Oh yeah, <laughs> so like that's done for you, yeah. It was like it was a really long right process. First, removing the content, yeah. starting consuming Ukrainian content, step by step. It took it literally took me around eight years to start gradually speaking Ukrainian more and more. I started to switch it with different people. Like I would first start speaking Ukrainian maybe with you, then with someone else. Like in a half of a year, I would start with another person, another person. So like it was taking time. And then the more we were getting to this time, right? To this invasion, to this war. The more people started speaking Ukrainian, like they, they kind of went through the same. They knew, post- they knew, like okay, yeah, we gotta be they, ready. They came, they they uh, went through the same process as we did, yeah. right? and I became like I ended up having actually a lot of friends from Dnipro, which is a majority Russian-speaking city, but who spoke Ukrainian language. And then the final point, because so. All of this happened. Like it took me eight years to start speaking Ukrainian every day in my life, right? Uh, but I still spoke Russian with my with family. 
parents. Yes, this is yeah. the last, you know, last limit, last threshold you With gotta cross. With my mom in particular. Mm -hmm. And my mom, again, as I mentioned, she never learned Ukrainian. She had struggled with a very simple words, like, you know, a blanket. She couldn't know how to say blanket. Like, it's not like she couldn't know how to say it. I, I said something to her in Ukrainian, like, give me a blanket, and she didn't understand me. So it was like, sometimes she lacks even, like, really basic understanding. Um, but then we come to this year, right? And the invasion happens. Another invasion, the big invasion happens, full scale, uh, in February. And, you know, it was not easy for us, all of us. We are scared. Everyone is scared, etc. Um, but for my mom, uh, she was like, she, she had had enough, basically. She was like, you know what? Start speaking uh, Ukrainian with me, she told me. And she was like, at least that's, I will learn it somehow, at least a little bit, if you're going to speak Ukrainian to me. And that's when I like, wow. Like, I actually, like, you know, in 2013, I was not sure it is possible. To, to do that, right? To have completely Ukrainian, like for me to completely speak Ukrainian every day in my life with everyone. Obviously, I believe, like I live in Dnipro, you right now don't, but like I live in Dnipro happens. where, yeah, mm. happens, like, you know, war. Mm. Um, where still, like, you know, I go to the shop, I speak Ukrainian, people answer Russian to me, you know. I'm okay. Like, I got used to it. I understand. I have realistic expectations. I know that, you know, in Dnipro, it's impossible for me to expect that, like, people just, oh, everyone gonna speak Ukrainian, right? It's, it's hard. It took me almost eight years to switch. So I cannot really expect everyone to do the same. Yes, exactly. And uh, like I speak uh, Ukrainian with my mom and we started speaking a little bit in Ukrainian uh, since COVID started. We had to spend a lot of, a lot of time together uh, at the beginning of that. And uh, um, But it was never on the daily basis. It was just sometimes from time to time, right? And right now uh, I only speak Ukrainian to her when she remembers she switches, but often when she needs to do something quickly or say something quickly, she would not. And it's like, you know, the knee jerk reaction. And uh, uh, I just think that the idea is that it, like, it's just me. I will speak the language I want to speak. And I, you know, I never thought of the conscious, uh, like conscious switch to another language but it is, you know, on the one hand, it's one of the hardest thing to do. On the other hand, it was one of the easiest for me, like, to decide on. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's just, uh, yeah, it's one of the happiest, I think. For me, for me, it was a decision about, like, it's not mandatory for me to switch to Russian. Like, if people speak Russian, like, why? Why? Yeah. We kind of grew up, again, grew up in this culture where everyone was switching to Russian to speak with us. Like every person, every Ukrainian speaking oh, yeah. person I've met who were not from my city, right, mostly, almost every, not every, but almost every person I've met who was actually speaking Ukrainian at home in Dnipro or uh, with their parents or they were from other parts of the country, most of them, uh, every time I start to speak with them, they switch to they would switch to Russian. 
why they have to switch not i that was kind of for me was like a choice like why 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 they switch why it's not me who switches to ukrainian to speak with them and in the country ukraine in the country of ukraine and mm-hmm. like and it is my native language like why yes. i don't switch to my native language that unfortunately you know i didn't learn as a child but because of the colonization right because russia colonized my country but about the happiest yes like yes. i as i as i said like at some point i found myself having only ukrainian speaking friends and i was like wow like it was kind of a little dream of mine was when i was young right when i was a child mm-hmm. but i I kind of wouldn't even believe that it is possible, you know? But yeah. right now, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I remember the shame I felt of not being able to speak Ukrainian properly with the people. Right now, I like got to the point that I don't feel it anymore. I still don't speak Ukrainian in the best way possible. I, I still uh, forget words or I use it in the wrong way and so on. But uh, it is not the same as it as it felt like when I was a child. I, I think when I was a child, I actually spoke it even better since I was learning it every day, but I felt more shame because I couldn't speak it freely. Mm-hmm. Right now, I got to the point where I can speak it freely and I am happy to do it because I... Um, you know, there is nothing wrong with the Russian lang- language. Mm-hmm. It's a great language. It's a fine language. Like... Yeah. It, Subjectively, like you know, whatever it's I, but I don't care, I have no care for it anymore. Mm -hmm. I uh, I don't want to speak the language that um, reminds me of everything that I know about the history of my country, and um, that's pretty much it. I don't want to speak colonizer's language, that's exactly uh, that's that simple, that's pretty much that simple, and and it's kind of ironic and funny how we are sitting here and speaking in colonizer's language for some people, yeah, right? But like, it's not the language of our colonizers, right? I don't want to speak the language of my colonizer, exactly. And um, about there is nothing wrong with Russian language. I mean, I just personally did not like Russian language since childhood because it's so weird. The songs because... in Russian are horrible, just it's saying. Not... Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the grammar and the pronunciation, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's... Yeah. But again, as a person who speaks English, I cannot say anything bad about Russian. <laughs> because, because those both languages... God bless them, you know. This happens to them. Yes, this language just went through some stuff and like yep. the spelling and the pronunciation and, the, you know, the grammar, you know. Um, yeah, and, uh, oh, I forgot what I wanted to say. Something else about the Russian language. Um, what else that, you don't like? Yeah, oh. Uh, no, mostly, yeah, spelling is weird, right? The spelling is not as weird as the English one. Pronunciation, like, yeah. you know, how to explain people where to say or or are. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. that many languages to know which one beats English in the, in the spelling department, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Polish. 
No, it's like no, no, not really. Not none. really. Yeah, like yeah. even Polish spelling is better. You just need to learn it. Like it looks yeah. scary, but you need to learn it. It still yeah. looks scary to me though. You can learn it. You can yes, learn. Yes, yes, you can Polish learn. It. There spelling. is a pattern. There is yes, a pattern. you can learn Polish spelling. You cannot learn English spelling. I mean, you you have to learn each think. word. Yeah, you can think that you can learn it. Individually. Yes. Yeah, individually. Oh, yeah. Well, about like you, you spoke Ukrainian. You speak. You said you speak Ukrainian badly, right? Like for me, it's not yeah. a problem. I speak every language badly. Like so, that actually was again one of, one of the reasons for me to switch to Ukrainian. I was already like, okay, guys, you know what? I speak English badly. I speak Russian badly. Uh, why not speak Ukrainian badly? <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just do it equally. Yeah, be it's really horrible. Yes, it's the best advice have, uh, like you can give to a person who wants to start speaking language. Honestly, just speak it badly. Yeah, Don't care. yeah. As yeah. long as you speak it, because I'm so happy when my mo- my mom speaks it, no matter how badly she does it. I'm just so happy that she's trying. And uh, when she speaks Russian, uh, something dies inside of me a little bit. So it's like it's like when foreigners speak ukrainian even though they know three words like yes. a foreigner comes to ukraine they speak russian fluently nobody cares like okay you speak russian good for you who doesn't yeah like a foreigner yeah. comes to ukraine there's three ukrainian words everyone is like wow <laughs> yes you learned three ukrainian words you are so smart <laughs> Yeah, the intellectual, an intellectual, I'm speaking to an intellectual. You have, you have yeah. a polyglot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we should read up, wrap, wrap, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah. English, bad English comes. Um, any, any finishing words, Vada? Um, I suppose that it badly we are going to listen to you anyways because <laughs> we also speak it badly sometimes and um it it doesn't matter if you if you don't know how to it matters that you want to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my um last words would be um if you are like if you are someone who listens to us not from ukraine or from english speaking country or from english speaking country but you have your own native language your indigenous language that was forgotten or was forced uh, out of usage or like not fully but at least uh, partially and you think about using Mm -hmm. it right trying to speak it trying to switch to it do it like this is this is one of the yeah this is one of the coolest things you've ever do like you will ever do like to come back to your native language to reclaim the language that was taken from you by colonizer is yeah, one of the yeah if people learn Klingon or life. other like, uh, languages that don't five, even exist honestly. Esperanto then yeah you can do it there is no problem like Esperanto <laughs> so that would be and we will hear you next i mean you will hear us next week maybe because we constantly you know i i said it last time that next week but next week was three weeks ago you know uh hopefully you will hear
hear us one week soon. Yeah, have a good one and bye. And have a, and have a great day. Bye.